Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is April 11th, 2022. And so let's just begin with a brief moment of silence to connect with our group and to sound the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. Our work together each week is to support and strengthen the Triangles Network, and to introduce this work to those people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. So please do reach out through the chat box if you'd like to form a triangle, and hopefully two others on the webinar will agree to form that triangle with you. We also work to provide a platform for a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles began in 1937, so it's a well-established activity. But at the time that it was first brought forward, it was not necessarily something that many people could understand. But today, all these years later, many people in the world could appreciate this global service through the use of light. So hopefully we can each do our part in our daily lives when the soul presents the opportunity to reach out to others and introduce them to this work. Because as the network expands, so too will greater light, love and goodwill enter into our world. And it's easy to reach out because triangles is such a relatively simple activity. Most people can understand its intention. Three people gathering together each day, visualizing a triangle of light between the three of them, and then radiating that light by linking up with all the other people in the world who are also working in triangles. And then as a result of using the great invocation, powerful world prayer, that light and goodwill is distributed to all open hearts and minds who can respond to spiritual stimulation. But this work doesn't only serve those who can respond to it consciously, it also serves for those people who unconsciously and more at the level of their soul respond very much to spiritual impression. So as we do, oh, first I'd like to introduce our guest for today, Hoop um, Pitti. He's presented a number of times before and we're happy to have his contributions. He's going to be speak up, speaking about sounding chakras 
and he worked prior to his retirement in 2015. He worked as a music teacher in all kinds of educational levels from primary education to the conservatory. He was also the conductor of various choirs and orchestras, most recently the Technical University of Aachen, Germany. And he has a strong interest in the esoteric. And so we look forward very much to hearing from you, Hoop, after the meditation. So we work now with our visualization. Visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, visualize the planetary triangle composed of the head center of Shambhala, the heart center of the spiritual hierarchy, and the throat center of humanity. And visualize the energies moving around the triangle from point to point, filling it with light. Now superimposed on that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energies of love wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness in the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating, radiating forth from the center of the star through the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, Visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Thank you. 
project the rainbow bridge towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the mantra. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So now we work in the annual cycle with the first full moon of the spiritual year under the conditioning energy of the sign of Aries, the sign of new beginnings, the sign of mental polarization, but also the Easter festival, the first of the three spiritual festivals of the year, the high points, the higher interlude might say the full moon period of the spiritual year wherein we have an open door between hierarchy and humanity wherein the radiance of the sun pours in and illuminates the moon with a matter aspect so it's a great time for all spiritual seekers to work together to appropriate these powerful energies and to do so in alignment with the Christ. This festival is linked very closely with his work, as is the Gemini Festival. And just to remind us again of the powerful alignment that overshadows this work, the Tibetan calls it a cosmic triangle. Here it looks like a direct line, but we know that in space, it would be more accurately described as a triangle between Morak, Dubai, and Polaris. Two points in the Great Bear and one point in the Little Bear. It's a real triangle related to, as we said, alignment, to alignment in the heavens, the creating of a cosmic triangle, which impresses, we're told, human consciousness to the extent that we become receptive to it. Marak and Dubai are representative of the will aspect, which is so new, relatively speaking, in human, human consciousness, and therefore challenging for us to appropriate. But because the discipleship group, the new group of world servers is charged precisely with learning to work with the will energy, the higher aspect of the will energy. 
it's a real opportunity during this Aries festival to do what we can in our own lives to appropriate the will, the will to good, the second aspect of the Shambhala energy. Because we know that that will is also pouring into those advanced souls of which there are many who are working along the lines of the will to power, the will that is related to the materialistic forces in our planet. And although the hierarchies, the hierarchy is the group that is charged with really um, deflecting that Shambhala will to power from those individuals who are seeking to appropriate it for selfish purposes. We know that those individuals working in alignment with a new group of world servers are, as I said, charged with appropriating the second aspect and therefore um, bringing about a fuller resonance among this triangle. Marak being the will to go the higher mind aspect, Dubai representative of the lower mind and Polaris representative of the soul. So we can keep this triangle in our mind during this time and understand that it's a time within the annual cycle wherein alignment is fostered. And so they, to the extent that we can work to perfect our own alignment, this can not only carry us through this higher interlude period and more adequately, adequately appropriate the energies available, but likewise, we can help at least stand by the spiritual hierarchy in the very challenging task that they have in working with another aspect of this will energy. We know that this being the Easter festival, it's, it's closely associated with the work of the Christ and with the other underlying powerful forces that are pouring in at this time, the forces of restoration, which was a theme that was focused upon in our recent new moon meeting and in an earlier webinars, restoration being one of these great overshadowing energies, which we're told is not about restoring the past, as we know, we're not moving to um, appropriate energies that should be allowed to pass out. But it's rather about the restoration of the minds of humanity, which have been so taxed over the last century and now continuing on into this century and surely continuing as we move increasingly towards 2025 and its aftermath. This. Um, tension and the challenges that the new group is confronted with can be best resolved to the extent that we can make sure that we do what we can to keep our minds restored through our spiritual practices, through our ability to combat fear, not succumb to it. And at this time of preparation for the Saturday, Aries full moon. We have a beautiful alignment in the sky, which is not depicted here. Um, it's an alignment between 
Jupiter and Neptune, both found in a sign so closely related to the Christ, the sign of Pisces. This is a, a magnificent um, alignment, which is becoming exact tomorrow. So it's really overshadowing the work that we're going to do for the next uh, few weeks. This alignment will be with us in a very close alignment for the next few weeks. Um, Jupiter being the sacred second ray planet, Neptune being the sacred sixth ray planet, but also working as on a higher level, the planets have different functions. On a higher level, Neptune is the sacred planet along the second ray line. It's related to the initiation of humanity, Neptune in Pisces. So we could say that this Neptune in Pisces, such a, a powerful sign of Christ, is being augmented. Whenever Jupiter aligns with a planet, it augments it. And since both of these planets are along the second ray line, the line of the Christ, the line of our planetary life, the line of our solar system, we can expect that this is an open door, that through this festival's period, the love energy of the Christ and the hierarchy, the second race center on our planet can pour in and help to illumine human consciousness and aid the new group of world servers to distribute the energies of the two hierarchical center and the Shambhala center. So it's a great opportunity and auspicious alignment for the beginning of our work for the next three full moons. And so let's now do what we can to contribute towards that work by working together in our triangles meditation. We come together and integrate as a group. Taking our stand in the middle, the center of the Ubandam cross of discipleship. On the mental plane. Connecting as a group with all those who are working here today with us. And projecting a line of light towards the highest center of Shambhala. Sound the affirmation of will. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light, 
to create a triangle of light. Visualize this triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangles Network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships.
project a rainbow bridge towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and light and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Distribution, sound the great invocation silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells.
let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now, um, Hoop has asked that if you have any questions that you would um, post them to us via email, or you can post them in the chat box, that's preferable. Um, so he will respond to you then in uh, writing. So just, uh, if you have a question, if you have a comment, of course, feel free and we'll read out those comments after the presentation. And also, if you would just like to share a comment, please raise your hand after the presentation and we'll unmute your microphone. So welcome, Hoop. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Well, good evening, Kathy and all who are affiliated. Thank you for inviting me to participate in this Triangles webinar. Before I start my talk, I have to say something. It feels somewhat uncomfortable to tell a story about music during this period of turmoil in Europe. But I console myself with the words of the Russian writer Nabokov, who once stated, the basic belief in art is the basic belief in the goodness of mankind. And the Ukrainian president, who said in a speech at the Grammy Awards last week, fill the silence with your music. Our musicians wear body armor instead of tuxedos. They sing to the wounded in hospitals, even to those who can't hear them. But the music will break through anyway. End quote. And now at work. Good evening. After my previous contributions on triangles in music and the action of the race in the natural tones and musical structures, I want to talk tonight about the perception of music in an exoteric and esoteric sense. Our language has quite a few expressions in which music is compared with language. For example, we say that music is the language of the heart or of the soul, or that music is a language that expresses what cannot be said with words. We also speak in musical structures of sentences. And Franz Liszt and Richard Strauss wrote symphonic poems, while Mendelssohn spoke of Lieder ohne Worte, songs without words. 
all expressions that directly or indirectly refer to a relationship with language. Yet music is not a language. It can be a means of communication just as languages. There is quite a bit to be said about the communicative power of music. While we saw earlier that the energies of the race work through in all kinds of ways, such as through the overtones, the scale and chord structures, and the more composite forms of music, today I want to focus on the way in which the music in all these forms reaches our consciousness. From my experience as an orchestral and choral conductor and as a music teacher, I will mainly refer here to the Western art music of the last 500 years. Before dealing with what esoteric psychology has to say about this, let's look at an exoteric schematic overview as elaborated by the German philosopher musician Theodor W. Adorno, representative of the then famous Frankfurter Schule. In his approach, Adorno distinguished a number of ways in which music can be heard and identified by the following types of listeners. First, the expert. He is able to listen to music in a completely adequate and structured way. This type is limited to a select group of professional musicians. Then, the good listener. Like the expert, he also experiences the music as a coherent whole and as a carrier of business-like expressions. However, he cannot consciously recognize and follow the logic of the music. Adorno's musical logic corresponds to the Hegelian logic. Truth is not situated outside time, but unfolds in a dialectic process through time. This type is also rare, he says, and most of his representatives are also professional musicians. The culture consumer. He knows a lot about the music, has knowledge of anecdotal details, biographical facts, and special merits of the performers. However, he cannot listen in a structured way, does not like music as an objective expression in itself, but consumes bravely according to the prevailing public opinion. This type belongs to the so-called upper bourgeoisie, those who attend opera and concerts. In society, its representatives form a closed group, hostile to the masses and elitists, which ultimately holds the key power in the public musical life. The emotional listener. This is mainly addressed by the emotional value in the music. This listening position has little to do with the musical form. In the social environment, such people are found among those for whom music fulfills a beneficial, non-intellectual function. The resentment listener. He has had enough of the official music business and all the commercialized cultural expressions. In his protest attitude, for example, he prefers jazz or music from before Bach, which moreover he only likes if it is performed in an authentic way. The social stratum to which he belongs is that of the petty bourgeoisie. The listener for relaxation. This type is most commonly found in today's society. 
It is, of course, a heterogeneous group. This type is the benchmark for the music industry. For this listener, music is not a logically coherent whole, but a personal source of experience, a distracting comfort. The structure of this listening behavior can be compared to the behavior of an inveterate smoker. The indifferent or non-musical or anti-musical listener. According to Adorno, this can only be explained by a psychological disorder that must be traced back to strong inhibitions or deficits in education during early childhood. He refers to this heterogeneous group primarily as antisocial. Although all kinds of sociologists, musicians and psychologists reacted differently and sometimes critically to this classification, Adorno has done groundbreaking work with his music sociological characterization of the music consumer in contemporary society. We may also conclude that the listener often combines characteristics of different types. Those who are familiar with the teaching of the seven rays will also recognize a lot in this typology with regard to the ray packages to be expected from music consumers. It is of course interesting how music communicates with us and vice versa. In other words, how do we experience music in all its forms and how does this relate to what we know about the seven rays and the chakras as centers of consciousness? A lot has been written about this, but I want to try to approach this question from my own experience and past as conductor and music teacher. Beforehand, I would like to state that as far as I'm concerned, there is no such thing as good or bad music, but at most well, less well, or poorly composed or performed music. Music itself is organized sound within a web of pre-agreed rules and conventions, even if they advocate complete anarchy. A piece of music is in itself an organically coherent whole, in which the secondary elements rhythm, melody, harmony, dynamics, and coloration are organized in a complex way. These, in turn, can be traced back to the primary elements of sound, namely tone duration, pitch, strength, and timbre, and, according to some theorists, the sound location as a derivative of the latter. The physical perception of music is through the ears, with, roughly speaking, the portion on the outside of the ear governing loudness and in conjunction there with tone duration, while the components of the inner ear control pitch and timbre. In addition, there is a spiritual form of music perception, which cannot be described by conventional music theory, and which I believe has everything to do with the energetic effect of the race. In addition to the own quality of the music to be consumed, the listener's ability or just to appreciate it naturally also plays a major role. This is, of course, closely related to the ray package of the listener and the current circumstances, so the energies that determine the listening process. For instance, a fourth ray personality who has just lost a loved one 
will experience the same piece of music very differently than a third-rate personality who has just struck an interesting deal on the stock market. Still, I think that the different body centers and chakras play a major role in experiencing all kinds of music. In my own musical world of experience, I have arrived at the following rough classification. I emphasize once again that it is not about worse or better music, but about the ability of music to reach the listener through his or her centers. Adorno's exoteric qualifications of listening behavior also play an important role here. It must also be said that this approach is very personal as far as I'm concerned and that everyone is free to have a different idea about it. And now a more esoteric explanation of music perception. In general, it could be said that the lower chakras are mainly focused on rhythmic and movement music and on music with a high degree of emotionality and sensuality, music as a means of expression. From the heart center, music starts to serve a different purpose, namely connecting and playing with sounds, music as a goal, or in French, l'art pour l'art. With regard to the receptivity of especially classical music, I think the following centers are important in the average person. Root center, or root chakra, music whose main ingredient is rhythm, for instance, percussion groups and rap. Furthermore, the design elements of the music. The guiding energy is hereby sent through the seventh ray. Sacral center, music that has a strong effect on the movement, such as dance music, disco music, and music with an erotic and sensual effect, as well as a lot of jazz music and film music. Solar plexus, music intended to have a strong effect on or amplify emotion, such as the sentimental songs, opera, but also strongly nationalistic music. Its control is by the sixth ray. Heart center, a lot of classical music and religious music, serenity, searching for and building new forms. This music is clearly under the control of the second ray. Throat center, music with a more rational basis, creative designing principle, attention to patterns, but also the commercial aspects of the music. The third ray is especially active here. The highest centers, Ajna and head centers, no longer belong to the range of music. The lower play of emotions, movement and sounds is here narrowed down to Aum, which became Amen in the Christian tradition and Om in the Hindu and Buddhist practice. Of course, musical communication can take place simultaneously through different centers, and thus music can express characteristics of different rays. The above examples indicate a clear emphasis of the race under which they are arranged. Another element that should not be forgotten is the ray package of the performer and that of the receiver. To this is, is the inexhaustible number of musical performances and interpretation, as well as the equally inexhaustible number of opinions about the music performed. 
Sadhguru, mystic yogi and founder of the Isha Foundation, wrote on December 6, uh, 2017, and I have somewhat paraphrased the text, the following. The human body is constructed with seven basic components, and the fundamental sounds for these seven basic components are what have become musical notes all over the world. People who developed music may not have experienced it that way, but if you experiment with music in any way, everything falls within the parameters of these seven notes, because the construction of the body is within the seven dimensions of creation, which is represented as chakras. A chakra is just a meeting place for the energy system. It is a junction, a traffic junction of which there are seven major ones. This doesn't mean that the chakra has its own quality in itself. It's just that all roads going in a certain direction lead somewhere. They come together at some point and form a powerful place. When a person becomes completely silent in himself, the body can be experienced as sound. It is to this state that these seven notes have evolved. In India, music was not just entertainment. It was a spiritual process. Classical music, the way sound is used in the form of ragas, melodies, and talas, rhythms, is such that when you get deeply involved in it, it becomes meditative. When you see someone who is very deeply involved in classical music, he becomes like a saint, as it were, because it makes him meditative. Then entertainment is not the attitude to life. Everything is a spiritual process to realize a higher level of consciousness. End quote. I would like to conclude with two quotes. The first is from Ludwig van Beethoven, who, after much wrestling, having completed his Messa Solemnis, wrote on the manuscript the words, From the heart, may it go to the hearts. Perhaps unknowingly, he was referring with this universal command to the second ray, the ray of the heart chakra, which is also the ray of our solar system. In the same period, uh, between 1819 and 1824, Beethoven also completed his Ninth Symphony, his Humanist Manifesto, with which he expressed a similar kind of soul connection. In summary, we could say that in communication with music, in addition to the physical, auditory, and the psychological component, there is also a spiritual component that is steered by the ray energies and whose points of application must be sought in the lowest five chakras. The other quote comes from Gustav Mahler, who said, what is best in music is not to be found in the notes. I thank you for your attention. Thank you, Hoop. Thank you so much for those thoughtful comments. That last quote is quite interesting. Um, maybe we'll, it will be addressed in the um, comments. Um, so one question that you thought might be important to expound upon somewhat is, who was Theodore Adorno? And what is his relationship to the subject discussed? 
Well, uh, Theodor Adorno, he was born as Theodor Ludwig Wiesengrund. He was a philosopher, sociologist, psychologist, and composer. And we know him, he was known for his critical theory of society. He belongs to the Frankfurter Schule, Frankfurt School, together with thinkers as Ernst Bloch, Erich Fromm, and Herbert Marcuse. Um, he was known for his critic of fascism and cultural industry influ and influenced the European New Left. Um, as a musician, we know him as a classical pianist. He studied as an admirer of Schoenberg's 12-tone technique together with Alban Berg. He lived together with Thomas Mann as an exile in California during World War II and worked with him on his novel Dr. Faustus. He was influenced by the works of Hegel, Marx and Freud and very critical about contemporary Western culture. He also criticized jazz and popular music, viewing it a part of the cultural industry. That's uh, what I can tell you about uh, Theodore Adorno. As, of course, there's much more to say about him, but yeah. uh, that's, that's too, too much for, for this uh, webinar. Yes, thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the primary and secondary elements of music? Yes. Um, uh, primary elements of music are uh, pitch, volume, tone duration, and tone color or timbre. And these uh, elements can also be uh, seen in the sinusoidal uh, uh, form of, of the sound. So if you make a graph of, of the sound, then you, you can, all these elements can you see in it. And they lead to the secondary characteristics, which are melody and harmony, it's connected with pitch, of course, the dynamics, connected with volume, rhythm and tempo, connected with tone duration, and the colorations, uh, that, that's to, that means the, the instruments or vocals, uh, voices that uh, uh, are, are playing or singing the music. In fact, the game in which the elementary elements are organized. Personally, I think that the development of some of these characteristics can be attributed to certain continents. But there's a, there's a highly personal view. Uh, thus, the complexity of the rhythm was most strongly developed in the southern continent, just as Africa, South America and Australia. The melodic development was most widely expressed in Asia, while the West made the greatest contribution to the development of polyphony and harmony. That's, that's about the, the elements of music. Okay, and what connection do you see between the rays and the primary and secondary elements in music? Well, uh, Tone duration and thus rhythm as the uh, most compelling element of the music belongs to ray one and seven. Also rhythm that represents the most uh, elementary force and rhythm without music 
but there is no music without rhythm. And also time signature, meter and tempo organized rhythm having a seventh ray characteristic. All these uh, um, characters, they represent rays one and seven. Then rays three and five belong to the pitch resulting in melody and also the series of overtones of a given fundamental that has a strictly mathematically determined sequence. Then the rays two and six, they uh, direct the tone color and therefore the coloration depending on the intensity and quantity of the participating overtones and providing the outer garment in which the music reaches us. And uh, last, the uh, ray four belongs to harmony. Chords give meaning to the tones they support and consonants and dissonances provide balance in the music in which both harmony and conflict are expressed. So that for me are this the, the connections between the different race and, and musical elements. Thank you so much. Um, I just wondered if you could expound somewhat on this quote from Mahler, what is best in music is not to be found in the notes. Well, I think Mahler uh, pointed to this, uh, uh, this meaning that uh, there is a, a, another element in music, and I, I called it the spiritual element, yeah. which uh, gives meaning to, to the music. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what, what he wanted to say. Yeah. And maybe part of that, that is the, the aura or the emanation that we know music conveys through the etheric channels. Um, yeah. You know, through the devas and those that cooperate with bringing it into our world in another form, as you say. It's yes. interesting. Okay, so um, if anyone would like to raise their hand and share a thought, not a question, but a thought on this subject, um, that would be great. And we will forward any of your questions to Hoop for response. And, um, Okay, I'll read any comments. Um, Isabel is thanking you very much for your sharing. Um, and Alexandra writes that it was a lovely presentation, found the music and the centers particularly useful to understand. Um, okay, there's a question. Interesting relationships for so many realities and planes that also manifest rhythm, vibration, and harmony. Thank you for your thought-provoking ideas. That's from Nick. Um, Tara asks, where's the email? You can just put a question here and we'll get it to Hoop. A lot of questions. Um, 
Uh, Sam says, I can remember who originally said, it is the gap silence between the notes, just as we have to find the inner silence regarding the soul. Okay. Yeah, I think you, you answered that one already. That, that's the same as, as Mahler. Yeah. Uh, um, Santana Star says, thank you so much, Hoop, for sharing your scientific and esoteric knowledge of sound and music. Um, and, oops, uh, MCBK says, in line with Mahler's quote, is a French one that says, the silence after Mozart is still from Mozart. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Suzanne writes, singing together makes you feel a oneness. All right. Well, we're nearing the end now. Hoop, is there any final thought you'd like to share with the group? You don't have to, but just if you have anything you'd like to share. Well, I see one more uh, about... Um, what was it about Smetana in, in Moldova? What was that? There, there is. A, how would you characterize the Moldova Smetana in esoteric terms? Great qualities. Well, I must think about it, but uh, it's a, it's a good um, example of so-called program music. And. The 19th century, there was a, a struggle between followers of Beethoven uh, who promoted uh, so-called uh, absolute music and that were, were people like Brahms and Bruckner. And another uh, uh, direction that was, uh, for instance, also Smetana, the nationalists, um, uh, Wagner and, and, uh, and others, and they've found that music had to serve a certain certain uh, goal that was outside music and we call that program music mm -hmm. so this this is uh, this moldo from, from smetana is is a, is a good example of that so it, mm -hmm. it does not serve a, a, a musical um, goal but more an, an a goal that is outside the, the music. It tries to serve a, an idea or, or illustration. And that's, of course, yeah, that's also a quality of music. It's interesting how some of the countries that are highly forthright in nature have brought through some of the most beautiful music. Germany, Austria, India. Yeah. I don't know much about Japanese music, but I'm sure there's incredible classical Indian music as well. All right, Hoop, thank you so much. And thank you, all of your participation, uh, the group. And so we'll just close with a moment of silence to visualize the planet surrounded by a lighted triangle's grid.
Thank you.